GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my buddy, the Arcade Phantom Sean. How's it going, Craig? I'm doing really well, and I'm excited to talk about this episode. Excited? Yeah, kind of excited to talk about the episode. I uh, hadn't watched it in a really long time before doing this research, and uh, there's some really cool moments, I feel like. I made a mistake, and I watched this one a couple of months before we started recording this, so it wasn't <laughs> that fresh for me. Uh so, uh, Sean, this episode is Brush With Greatness. Uh, when did this episode first air? April 11th, 1991. Yeah, so after enrolling in an art class, Marge's work catches the attention of Mr. Burns, who needs a portrait made uh, for his own wing in an art museum. Now, uh, Sean, around April 11th, 1990, uh, 1991, uh, what was going on at that time? So, you may remember a couple weeks back, I mentioned the Simpsons arcade game came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So the second Simpsons game came out roughly around this time. It doesn't have a set date because mm-hmm. this is before street dates. Yeah, yeah. But Bart vs. the, the Space Mutants came out. Oh, nice. So uh, Sean and I have already uh, done this episode on The Legend of Retro. Uh, so make sure to search up The Legend of Retro podcast. It's where we talk about uh, old classic video games. And as far as that goes, uh, the uh, uh, when it comes to those video games, uh, uh, you know, we kind of break them down, go into the history of them. And Sean, uh, here joined me for that episode. Uh, Sean, the glitch and I, the glitch you'll, you'll remember from previous episodes on this show that he's been a guest star on. Uh, so yeah, absolutely make sure to check that out because, uh, it was fun to chat about that game. It was fun to chat about that game because it doesn't hold up. <laughs> it wasn't it, that great at the time. It didn't hold up then either. It was not a great game, but, uh, Still fun to talk about. So what's going on in the world, Craig? Depress us. Bring us Uh, all down. So with the swift defeat of Iraq in the Persian Gulf War, South Korea was feeling pretty confident that if North Korea attacked them, America would be able to assist them pretty effectively. Uh, This is an article I was reading in the uh, Detroit Free Press. It's where I pull a lot of my uh, uh, historical stuff from, you know, uh, talking about the the 90s here. So Uh, so, so hang on a second. mm -hmm. America's at war with Iraq. Uh Uh-huh. And... South Korea wants us to help out with North Korea. Yeah. Man, times have changed. Y- yeah. Now, <clears throat> uh, do you want to do you want to feel a little sad in thinking that history has not changed? Are there Cold War tensions with Russia, too? Well, coincidentally, there are at this time. Uh, however, here's something to think about. Uh, experts were concerned that even though peace could be an easy option, Kim Il-sung and his son, Kim Jong-il were trying to develop nuclear weapons at the time, it could potentially be aggressive to the South. Now, when we were kids, Sean, Kim Jong-il had not taken power yet. We were dealing technically with Kim Il-sung. And then he died. And then Kim Jong-il stepped in. And now we're dealing with... uh, uh, What is... uh, Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un is uh, who's currently in power. So, for a very considerably small amount of time we've had a lot of shuffling going on in north korea through their leadership you know as as grandfather hands it to son who or hands it to son who hands it to his son so basically time never changes everything's the same always history is like a a river and or history is like or time is like a river and history repeats itself 
That is absolutely the case. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> so we open up with this episode and Bart and Lisa are excited to be watching uh, Krusty the Clown as he's at Mount Splashmore. So this is something TV shows still do. Mm-hmm. Wheel of Fortune is known for it. Um, Conan O'Brien does it. Yeah. Where they will actually go to other places to film for a week. Yeah, you uh, uh, you do still see it, uh, which is kind of weird because I was actually going to ask you if, if that stuff still happened these days. And yeah, now that you mentioned it, I guess it does. Yeah, Wheel of Fortune does it all the time where they're like, we're in Hawaii now. Let's all go hang out in Hawaii. <laughs> Is it Pat Sajak who's still running Wheel of Fortune? Yep, it's still Pat Sajak. It's still Vanna White. Pat Sajak's like, ah, my doctor was in Hawaii for the week, and in order to stay alive, <laughs> I needed to go to Hawaii. So here we are in sunny Hawaii. Let's go ahead and film this episode. Yeah, let's film this episode in paradise. I mean, we got to do it. We got to do it, guys. <laughs> Basically. So I so I, uh, I, love the fact that I... Uh, it's it, like apparently been like one of the greatest weeks of like Bart and Lisa's lives. Uh, Bart holds Lisa's hand as they're watching the, the show. It's such a special like a moment for them. Uh, and, you know, Krusty's talking about how great Mount Splashmore is, how there's like a trauma center on the premises. Uh, and uh, as far as that goes, I. Uh, Krusty forces all the kids to sing the Mount Splashmore song, which is just basically them being like, I want to, want to, want to, want to go. And it's like teaching them how to whine to go to Mount Splashmore. He's very shameless in his promotion. Very, very shameless. Which I do love this scene because (laughs) I I would do stuff like this as a kid. Did you ever harass your mom like this where you're like, oh, I want something. I'm going to harass her. My mom would beat the hell out of me. So, no, I did not get to do things like this. I, every so often, if I had my sister on my side for something, we might be able to, like, con my mom. And, like, because, you know, she couldn't take two of us at once. One of us is going to escape. So, she, <laughs> so you know, we, we were able to kind of, like, play the system in that regard. Uh, but if I was on my own, like, if I was like, oh, I want this video game. And I was like, mom, I want a video game. Mom, I want a video game. She'd be like, you say that one more time, I'll beat the hell out of you. Mom, I would like not to have been beaten. <laughs> Listen, you tell your mom, Mom, I want Link to the past or go to hell. <laughs> She'd have beaten the shit out of me. I, like, really, I, I, I don't think I would be alive today if I said that to my mother when I was a child. Nowadays, I'm bigger than my mom. I can say whatever the hell I want, <laughs> sucker. But I, yeah, the, I, the, I, so, you know, Bart and Lisa want to go to Mount Splashmore, and they say, uh, will you take us to Mount Splashmore over and over and over? And for a moment, Sean, I'd like to uh, uh, just, you know, conduct a quick experiment for this episode. We're going to see how annoying this gets. Sean, repeat with me, will you take us to Mount Splashmore in unison? Can we try this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Will you take us to Mount Splashmore? 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 And then Homer dealing with that for hours. And, like, they, they're yelling at him in the shower and, like, I think during church. The shower, church, when he's eating, when he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Homer. And finally he breaks down. And he's willing to go to Mount Splashmore. Which, I mean, of all things, a water park is probably, you know, 
I, I feel like that's a, a, a should be a pretty standard trip, like you you would take with your kids on occasion, right? You know, in the summer or something. You know, yeah, take them to a water park. Nothing will go wrong. There, <laughs> there could be no disasters at a water park ever. <clears throat> so uh, they uh, they go to the uh, the park, and and one of the signs says the park is not co. Uh, what is it like co? So I've got that. Oh, yeah. So the first sign is, this park is copless, so please don't go topless. Thank you. My autocorrect ruined my notes, and it said co-led, and I was like, that it can't be right. What is that? What is this? Uh, and I, I, you know, so so there's tons of different parks, and I, I love the fact that, like, one of the rides is, like, the, uh, they're in, like, the, the you know, like, uh, uh, you know, the big car for like the uh, roller coaster, essentially, and it just drops them in the water, which would probably kill those people, right? Like a, a drop in a big giant like cart like that hitting the water, it, it would hurt. It, it would, would hurt. it would hurt a lot. It might kill some people. I uh, so there's a ton of I uh, uh, people because like at one point I think uh, I Marge and Homer are like turn around and Bart and Lisa are like long gone. I. Uh, and the 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 park is like totally filled, and uh, I think it's the H two O is what they see, right? Yep, they see the H two O. And I uh, so there's a whole lot of people, and I uh, so some of the people that I caught were uh, uh, Otto, and I think Larry the uh, Barfly. Yep, Larry's there. Uh, and it's like it, the. It's interesting because there's another. I feel like this is another scene. And maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I just sort of didn't pause it and look well enough. But like, I feel like this is sort of a reference to MC Escher at one point because the steer, the like the the line just sort of wraps around itself and doesn't make sense. It doesn't, but it's kind of similar to how theme parks are actually set up. I guess that's true. So essentially, so, what you're saying is every theme park is an MC Escher painting of people. Yes, filled so, or filled with people. There's a scene where they're going to get on the ride, mm-hmm. and they go, oh, cool, no line. And then they turn a corner, and there's a line. Yeah. That's how a lot of things are set up in, like, Disney or mm-hmm. in um, Universal Studios. Yeah? Because they basically want to trick the eye into thinking it's not as long of a wait as it is. Oh, I gotcha. So, of course, it turns out it is. But at that point, you're like, well, we're already in line. Yes. Okay. Disney does a much better job of staging these things than, say, Universal. Mm -hmm. Universal, once you're in a line, you realize you're in a line. Yeah. Disney does things where it'll be like, you're in a line for five minutes. You get a quick video at the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Then you're in another line. Oh, I gotcha. So it's like they're perpetually shuffling you through lines but because they're showing you like videos and stuff it sort of kind of takes your mind off yes you don't notice it as well they do a much better job of staging their rides i gotcha i gotcha uh not to be a giant shill for disney world but (laughs) as a theme park junkie i will say they do a job that no one else can do (laughs) so uh uh bart and lisa see this giant line and I love that it's just immediately down to business. And Bart's like, all right, Lisa, he's like, turn on the waterworks. And Lisa immediately is like, I want my mommy and like screams and cries. And Bart starts pushing her through the line. He's like, he's like, oh, out of the way, out of the way, lost kid. Like, excuse me, pardon me. And like, she starts getting through the line. I. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Maggie gets put into a little, like, kiddie pool, and Marge is concerned because she was going into the deep end, which is, like, one inch compared to a half inch. Uh, Homer, however, 
uh, is a little less subtle and more of a jerk, but still somehow gets away with it. He tells people he's the line inspector. And while everyone else is mad at him for being a jerk and pushing him around, this old woman is like, God bless that man. I love that old woman so much. I do. I love. I honestly, that was one of the lines in this episode that totally just caught me off guard with how funny it was. Because it's all these people are just so like, you know, it's so apparent that Homer is just being a jackass and trying to skip the line. But no one wants to say anything. And this woman is totally falls for it. And she's like, oh, what a wonderful man. I uh, and so I uh, Bart and Lisa jump through the uh, the the tube and I believe Bart yells the phrase bitchin. Yes, Bart says bitchin, <laughs> which is sort of a 90s phrase. You don't hear it too often. I, I cannot remember the last time I had heard the phrase bitchin. Uh, but uh, as far as that goes, I uh, Homer goes down the the pipe. Yeah. And we find that there is a like a security center or like a, an information or maybe like a in uh, what would you call it like a, a headquarters, a central command or something. And they're like, there's a clog in Delta sector. And the uh, they look through and the one guy goes, too big to be human. Send out a few kids. Okay, so for over, gotta get into some theme park trivia for you here. Real yeah, quick. by all means. So the command center they have. Mm-hmm is very similar to what they have at Disney World. Not okay. Disneyland, Disney oh, okay. World. Disney World in Florida. So in Florida, Disney World is basically, this whole park is a two-level park. Oh, right. There's like a subterranean area. Yeah, you enter in on the second level of the park because it's Florida. You can't dig down because you'll hit swamp and mud. Oh, so technically you're going up into like a... You go up into the second floor, and the first level is what's the Disney catacombs down there. Disney catacombs. And they basically are a way cast members, which is what Disney calls their employees, can mm-hmm. go from place to place. It's where security will watch everything you do. And they will have security guards who are dressed like normal people walking around the park. So unlike this little command center, you'll actually see security guards who are watching people all day dressed like tourists. You'd never notice they're there until you notice they have earpieces in. Really? Yep. That's that's cool, and it, it's honestly kind of a comforting thing because sometimes, you know, yeah, security guards should be comforting, but sometimes it's not no. to see a, a big bruiser of a guy like you know with like his hand at his side with like a, a pistol a pistol holstered. Like it's like, uh, I mean, yeah, I know it needs to be here, but like it's kind of weird. It takes away from the magic. So I was a punk teenager, and I can't tell you how many times security guards have followed me around stores. Uh huh. And it's, it's always an awkward feeling to be followed around a store, especially when you're somebody who buys a lot of video games. So you go somewhere like Best Buy, yeah. and you're there every week. You're buying a video game every single week, and security follows you every single week. Mm-hmm. In my case, it was actually Media Play where it had this issue. <laughs> media Play? Oh, man, they ain't around no more. But I don't think any of our listeners remember Media Play. I cannot imagine any listeners remember. Are there any Media Plays across the country, or was that just a regional thing that then closed down? I don't know. I mm. don't know the history of Media Play. If any Media Play employees are like, oh, my God, how could you insult us and say that we're totally long gone? By all means, reach out to us. I don't see that happening, though. Uh, uh, anywho. Homer gets trapped in the... Uh, tube for this yeah and it kind of cuts to the news story of it right yeah it cuts real quick to scott christensen right yep i uh, and i uh, so i uh, 
so poor Homer had to get like airlifted out. Like they had to like, or a crane, a crane had to like lift that piece of the tube out so that Homer could get out because he was too big. Which makes you wonder why didn't the guy who's letting him flagging him on stop him and be like, ah, buddy, you know there is a size requirement. I'm afraid it's more for kids. So I don't think it was more for kids. I think, in all honesty, the writers of The Simpsons uh-huh. don't understand how male weight works. I mean, probably, but go on. Homer is often depicted as much larger than the number of weight that they will tell us later in this episode or any other episode. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. He he absolutely is. He, he's usually sort of like, you know, depicted as like this huge, huge guy. But then when they tell you the weight amount, it's like, okay, like, I mean... How short is Homer, though? Because that yeah, doesn't seem that yeah, it doesn't seem like, you know, yeah, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense. So sometimes I think they just do it for comedic effect, which is why this guy didn't notice, because Homer's a normal size guy. He's he's a larger guy, but he's not. Oh, yeah. He's, he's not, not giant. Yeah. He is not like like clinically obese or anything. Yeah, he's just a bigger guy. Homer can still shower. He doesn't wash himself with a rag on a stick. I'll wash myself with a rag on a stick. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> anyway yeah, so there's no reason he should have got stuck that is true yeah that is absolutely true i uh, so uh, i i appreciate though that it cuts to i uh, i uh, because crusty you know has recently endorsed splash mountain and uh Mount splash more oh right splash mountains in uh, disney, disney right <laughs> um yeah, that's I was just letting the fans know what it's re- in reference to. <clears throat> so Mount Splashmore is what Krusty the Clown has, uh, uh, you know, endorsed. And uh, as far as that goes, I love the fact that I, I, Krusty, I, the 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 tainted mayo question is like the off limits question in the interview. And I, uh, I, you know, and like Krusty's like you know like runs off or whatever. Isn't that how it goes? I'm yeah. trying to remember. Yeah, I, and so. You know, Krusty, like, I feel like there are a lot of press conferences with Krusty throughout the series. There are a lot of press conferences. So here's my weird question for this episode. Uh So the whole setup is Homer wants to lose weight because of this incident? Sure, he's about to start a diet in the uh, the episode, yeah. They've already made friends with Lionel Hutz. Why hasn't Hutz been knocking at their door, seeing this news report, and been like, hey, we got a case, let's go. Mr. Simpson, this is the worst case of, uh, I don't even know, negligence I've ever heard. Or my name isn't Miguel Sanchez. I, uh, yeah, it, that is kind of weird. That's sort of like I mean, maybe this episode takes place before Bart got hit by a car. Uh, we we have so many. If we take every episode in order as canon, they do not really make that much sense. If we split them up, we'll spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out how every episode should like kind of like train together in a sequence and. Uh, We'll we'll never we'll never be able to do it. Oh, we'll do it. I swear we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, Homer starts a diet. He says, As God is my witness, I'll always be hungry again. Which is uh in reference to a movie, right? Isn't there a movie where it's as God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again? I believe so, but I don't remember. I don't remember at all. I, I know I feel like that's a line, but I can't place it. I... Uh, but yeah, they uh, uh, they end up going into the attic, uh, Bart and uh, Homer, because they're going to look for Homer's you know workout gear that he stored up in the attic. Uh, yeah, it, it's a uh, um, it's gone with the wind, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that at the end of the movie? Yeah, 
That's right. Okay. I, I'm not a huge movie buff, so I, it's more on you than it is me. I, but anywho, I, I, so we have Bart and Homer heading up into the attic. And so they, you know, go looking around and you end up seeing uh, like a Lisa's broken trophy, a moose head, a lava lamp, a Burns for Governor sticker is on the like a, a trunk. No Hugo. We don't see Hugo. Yeah, no Hugo. No, uh, no bucket of fish heads lying around. Uh, and then we find the athletic gear. And so uh, Bart sees this painting and he's like, who's the mop top with the big schnoz? And Homer's like... It's Ringo Starr from the Beatles. And he starts looking through the the pictures and he freaks out because uh, one of them is Marge and Ringo uh, at a wedding altar. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, he he takes him to Marge and Marge is like, oh, you know, I, uh, I you know, like I used to have a crush on him yeah, or whatever. schoolgirl crush. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, you know, meanwhile, because Homer started this diet on a Friday, it's pork chop night. And he can't have pork chops, and he's got to have rice cakes with steamed vegetables. Oof. Let me ask you a question about rice cakes. Yeah. What's your opinion on rice cakes? I actually don't mind them too much, so long as they're the flavored ones. If I can get, like, the white cheddar ones, they're not that bad, because I've gone on diets before, and uh, I, the, the white, if you have two of the white cheddar ones, it's, like, about 100 calories. So it's a nice snack. I'm not a huge fan of them, but it's one of those things where it's like, well, I can't have a potato chip, so this is the next best thing, I guess. I love rice cakes. Of course you I love rice cakes. I could eat rice cakes at any time, any day. Born motherfucker. <clears throat> uh, I'm not surprised you. There's actually rice puff cereal, which is very similar to rice cakes. Oh, no, those I kind of like. And I love that cereal. I'm not, I'm not, don't be wrong. Sugar smacks are, are the better version. When you go down the sugar aisle or the cereal <laughs> aisle, you don't go sweet. You go healthy. <sighs> Sean, I don't care how regular your poop is. Your life has no meaning. <laughs> it's just a fact. Listen, the Wheaties give me the meaning that I'll never get from Frosted Flakes. Tony the Tiger doesn't inspire me like various athletes. <laughs> so, so I, I, I. Lisa wants to know how Marge's gift was squashed, though. You know, because they, uh, she says the paintings are pretty good. You know, and Marge is not a bad uh, artist. And uh, as far as that goes, uh, you have uh, uh, Lisa, and she tells this story of, uh, uh, you know, when she was a, a younger, uh, younger girl. Like, probably, what would you say? Probably middle school or something, high, early high school? I'd probably say early high school, if I had to guess. Early high school. And uh, so... Her art teacher says that I, uh, I, uh, the, the that bongo beating liver, uh, uh, pudly, uh, liver pudlian, I think, yes. is what he says. Uh, call, calls him that. Says that her art is trash, and he goes up to the sad crying clown. He's like, "Now this is art." I, uh, and so you know, Lisa's like, you know, well, why don't you go to take like an art class at like the local? I think it's a like community center, community college, or whatever. And Homer and, and Marge is like, Homer, what do you think? And Homer's like, do I have to do anything? She's like, no. And he's like, yeah, yeah, knock yourself out. Homer doesn't support Marge. We'll learn that a lot throughout the series. We really will. It, it's it's definitely a shame because I, you know, Homer is, it's funny because like you think Homer and you think like, oh, you know, he loves his family so much, but like he doesn't do a good job 
of being a very good husband. No, he's pretty terrible at it. He's he takes no interest in her interest at all. Oh, no, not in the least. And he kind of ex- sort of forces his interest on her, as we'll see throughout the series. Like when he gets her a bowling ball, you know, when he like forces her to go to places she doesn't really want to go. You know, and like sometimes, you know, okay, yeah, bite the bullet, Marge. Like I would say when Homer's like, I really want to go to a seafood restaurant. Well, actually, no, she's allergic to shellfish. Yeah. So, yeah, never mind. I was going to say it's a restaurant, Marge, like deal with it. It's his you know, favorite kind of food. But like, no, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know, no, that's he's, pretty he's selfish. Pretty crummy. Yeah, pretty selfish. Uh, and so, uh, and meanwhile, of course, Homer's like putting extra food on his like rice cake because he can, you know, Marge said he can jazz it up how he wants. It's like, like. But put like tons of slices of cheese and like lunch meat on top of the rice cake. And honestly, at that point, why are you even eating with the rice cake? Because I feel like that would turn out kind of gross. Microwaving a rice cake with like a bunch of like ham and cheese on top of it. That sounds utterly disgusting. And I've never tried it, so maybe it wouldn't be, but I feel like it would be. We might need to try that at some point. (laughs) So uh uh Marge uh uh Runs into Apu at this community center, though. And it's another example we see of Apu kind of being a friend of the family. He goes up to her and he says, hello, Mrs. Homer. Uh, And he's making a movie. uh, Or was it a novel or a movie? It was a novel. I think it was a novel. Yeah, it was a a novel. And uh, uh, it's about a convenience store worker who's, like, been pushed too far. And and it's called Hands Off My Jerky Turkey. And and his brother Sanjay came up with the title. Uh, I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. Uh, now, I feel like this is going to, you know, come off as, like, kind of mildly racist, so you'll have to forgive me. But, like, would it would it just be, like, a Bollywood movie, like, action movie with a convenience store worker? So, Bollywood action is awesome. I want to point out. You've I, said before that you really like Bollywood movies. I love Bollywood action movies. They're ridiculous. They're over the top. Uh-huh. There's one where a guy basically flips a car and he reaches up and he grabs the guy out of the car as it's flipping overhead and pulls him out. <laughs> it's so stupid, but I love it. That's awesome. I could totally see it being that. That would be great. Okay. Uh, so uh, the uh, Marge wants to you know get her work done and she needs to be inspected by Mr. Lombardo. And she gets nervous. She tells Lisa, she's like, I, I don't want to do this. Let's go. And Marge, you can tell. And I think they do a great job of showing what happens when you stifle someone like that. Marge, we never see before this episode that she's much of a painter. It doesn't come up. She doesn't talk about it. You know, you don't see her paintings held, like hung up in the house or anything, presumably, unless maybe some of them are hers. But, you know, a lot of it, the pictures in the house are, you know, of the family. Aside from the sailboat behind the couch... We don't really see a lot of paintings in the house. Which I believe it might be in fan fiction seasons. I don't remember <laughs> where it is, but I believe Marge painted that sailboat painting. Oh, that could be. I believe she says she painted it for Homer as a gift. I think that's in season nine when he's doing his taxes. Oh, that could be. It's a little too fan fiction for me, but I do appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's Trouble with Trillions. I think it's in the beginning of that oh, episode. Oh, interesting. I. So, yeah. I. So, Marge has you know, had her confidence shattered by this, like, you know, jerk of a, an art teacher, uh, which, uh, would you like to hear a story of, of me dealing with an art teacher? Oh, I've got one too, actually, so this would be great. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, when I was a kid, I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of art class, you know, I didn't, like, I didn't, it wasn't, like, a passion or anything of mine, but so, I, I, 
was painting, and <laughs> I feel like you'll really appreciate this. I was painting a picture of a castle, and I was trying to replicate the castles from Mario World. That's awesome. So I was, you know, it was probably like 1990. When did Mario World come out? 91? Mario World 91. Yeah. So like I was probably like 1992, 1993. So I was probably like in second grade, third grade, something like that, you know, probably second grade. And uh, uh, maybe even 1991 itself. That could actually be after the game came out. But so I painted this picture and I was mixing paints and stuff and I made this like kind of like sky blue color, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and you know, because I'm mixing paints, I, you know, I can tell it's some kind of bluish color, but I don't have a name for it. And in my head, I want to know the name of this color for like the purposes of Crayola, you know, as I'm a kid, you know? And so I go up to the art teacher and I was like, I, I, I what was her name? I think her name was Miss Gold, if I'm not mistaken. So Mrs. She, Gold. So she's a Bond villain? Basically, yeah. But I, I remember her having a name that was very fitting for art. It was like Mrs. Gold or something like that, I think. And uh, I go up to her and I was like, Mrs. Gold, I was like, uh, uh, you know, what color is this? You know, because in my head, it's like, is this turquoise? Is this, you know, I want to know like the name of it. You know, because in my head, I think like, you know, in my childhood delusions of grandeur, I feel like, oh, this is a paint color that I invented. Like, this is my color. And she looks at it and looks at me and she's like, are you colorblind? She asked me if I was colorblind. And I will never forget the shame I felt in that moment where I was just like, no, I just want to know the name of the color. And she was like, oh, it's some kind of blue. And I was like. Okay, then. Okay, thanks. And I walked off, and I was super mad. I never, ever went out of my way to talk to this woman ever again throughout the rest of my time at that school. And, and you know, it's elementary school, so you have the same art teacher for a long time, and I just never went out of my way to talk to her. I think we maybe eventually got a different art teacher as the years went on. I don't remember for sure, but I will never forget that moment and just being super offended. So when I was in elementary school... Uh huh. I had an art teacher. Don't yeah. remember her name. Okay. She was a real bitch. Real bitch. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so we were given some assignment to draw something. Yeah. And it was like, do a bird. Paint a bird or something. Sure, Something sure. stupid like that. Uh-huh. And I painted a bird, and I got a low grade on it. It was like whatever the lowest grade is in elementary school, like a one. Oh, I think we had like O's and S's and X's. Yeah, what, in my whatever the school. hell the yeah, yeah, yeah. thing was. Uh-huh. It's, it's not the letter grade system. Sure, it's not A, B, C, yeah. But whenever you get a grade that low, your parent has to get called in for like a parent-teacher conference. Okay. So my mom comes in and has to talk to the art teacher about it. Mm-hmm. And my mom's like, okay, well, what seems to be the problem with this? And she tells her, Sean wasn't following directions. Sean just did what he wanted to and made his own bird. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I'll never forget, lost her fucking shit on this teacher. <laughs> She's like, oh, he was expressing himself in art class. That's what he was fucking doing? My mom literally told the teacher that's what he was fucking doing. And I will never forget that in elementary oh, school. that's amazing. She was livid that I had expressed myself and this art teacher was like, nope, it's not following the core directive. I, I mean, you know, I, I can understand that, like, you know, in, in, in school, especially like elementary school, you, you want to have structure and you want to impart that to the students. I get that to some regard. But, like, 
I don't understand how, like, I mean, at that point, I feel like all the teacher had to do was give you a lower grade, not the one that calls it your parents in, but just a lower grade and say, like, hey, you know, Sean, I really, you know. You didn't follow instructions. Yeah, you didn't follow instructions. But I got to say, I do really appreciate what you did. I'd love to see, you know, more of your stuff. There's a very easy way that teacher could have handled that situation instead of slapping a bad grade and putting a note that says doesn't follow instructions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my mom was pissed and she blew up on this woman Uh, understandably so i mean at that point you know you're being she's being called in yeah she has to do more work essentially yeah that's ridiculous i uh yeah i i don't doubt my mother would have had a very similar reaction oh yeah my my mom was pissed and it was great (laughs) (sighs) so so mr lombardo inspects the portfolio and at first we feel like we're going to have another repeat of that old art teacher of hers, uh, of Marge's, because uh, he, he's got these, like, red sunglasses on. He's, like, he's like what, uh, balding with, like, a ponytail in the back or something? or just he, He's very New York artist. He's very from the Andy Warhol era-esque of art. Yeah, and so he, he, looks, he looks, like, very critically at this art. And uh, it's marvelous. And it is, he has the voice of uh, 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 John Lovitz. Yeah, it's weird that Marge doesn't notice that this is her old boyfriend's voice. <laughs> the one who tried to rape her. You know, that one. Yeah, the yeah, the rapist. Artie Ziff, the piece of shit uh, that we hate. Uh, and it's funny, too, because like John Lovett's voice in The Simpsons starts off as kind of a villain's voice. He's this crummy guy who tries to take advantage of Marge, and now he's this wonderful art teacher. He's like, marvelous. He's like, he's so sing-songy when he says it, and he's so happy, and like, you you sense so much, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, so much like positivity from him. I love this character of Mr. Lombardo. So, does John Lovitz just really do good voices with Julie Kavner? Is that why they're constantly paired up? Because yeah, he's they, paired up as Artie Ziff. He's later the play director when she goes to um he is. play. Yeah, they, they do slap him together a bit. And I let's face it, uh Jay Sherman hangs out with Lisa or uh with Marge. Yeah. I uh, I uh, more than anyone else really. Marge and her sisters. Yeah, Marge and the sisters. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I that is I've never made that connection until just this moment. And <coughs> yeah, he's always paired up with her. Yeah, interesting. So I, uh, I, uh, you know, he loves her work, and so you know he invites her into the class. Uh, meanwhile, Bart is trying, or Homer is trying to lose weight, and when he's on the ground because he did like I think a what a sit up or a push up, but he can't move anymore. Bart runs in, grabs his wallet, steals money, and runs off. And what a piece of crap! I would have done that. I would have done the same thing <laughs> if my dad was laying there. Uh, yeah, but conscious, like you'll you'll eventually get like caught, like it's, unless you're running away from home and that's your seed money, like you're gonna get caught. No, you just do it because you think you can get away with it. You don't you don't know you can get away with it. You just think you can. I mean, fair enough, I suppose. So, mm-hmm. Homer, we find out what his weight is in this episode. Mm-hmm. And when he first weighs himself, he's two hundred sixty pounds. Yeah. And then he drops down to what we will forever know as Homer's weight of two thirty nine. Mm-hmm. So this is before any other weight episode with Homer. Oh yeah, it is. And that's that's not that much for a guy Homer's size. It's really not. It's I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not as healthy as it should be, for sure. Yeah, but you know, I 
you know, it, it definitely should be lower. But honestly, it could be way more. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, because, you know, you have this expanding obesity problem throughout America, at least. Uh, it does make me wonder if, like, they slapped that number on it because that seemed like a high number at the time. So I think the reason they did it, mm-hmm. and I learned this a couple years ago, because it's actually when uh, President Trump was brought into office. Uh-huh. He had his first physical checkup. And yeah. his weight was 239, which is Homer's weight. Uh-huh. And if he would have been 240, he would have been considered obese. Oh, It's one pound below being considered obese. So I think Homer's in the same height range as the president. So he's like probably 6'2", if I had to guess what Homer's height should be. And they might want it to be mm-hmm. just below obesity. Yeah. Now, it's not morbidly obese or grossly obese or anything like yeah. that, but it's just what is considered the level of obesity. So I think they saw that as a statistic and made that his weight. That actually was probably the case. That I can totally see. That makes tons of sense, honestly. I I love that when it cuts back to Marge, it's Mr. Lombardo and he's like he shows like how like all the like, you know, uh, different shapes make uh, a, like a piece of art or whatever and he's like the Lombardo method. It's just that easy and it doesn't seem that easy. I uh, Homer works out some more. I I I I love how positive Lombardo is because he sees uh Marge's work which she is titled Bald Adonis, which is Homer I uh, uh in his like what is it like shorts with a wife beater uh, sleep on the, or like a s- I, sitting and sleeping on the couch? I believe it's wife beater and whitey tidies. <laughs> wife beater and whitey tidies. He says it's another triumph. I uh, and I uh, Lombardo's just encouraging in general because there's a guy who's painting the rails of the oh, art school. Oh yeah, and he's like marvelous. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. Lombardo's great. I uh, so yeah, Marge gets first place. I. Uh, the painting she has to go against for first place is so funny to me. What was that one again? <laughs> so it's a unicorn, and he's looking at a like power plant or industrial plant leaking oh, toxic waste, right. and he's just saying, "Why?" <laughs> uh, so Marge gets first place at this painting that uh, Lombardo has chosen to to represent, you know, his his school or whatever. And uh, I think I think it's Homer yells, "Last supper, eat your heart out." However, meanwhile, Mr. Burns is having some issues. There's a dedication at an art museum for him, and he needs a portrait. Uh, and he like he the uh, yells at the guy who who painted uh, previously painted him, and the he's like you know re, Burns is like redo it, uh, and the guy's like no screw you I'm out of here, and Smithers is like sir he's like you've chased away like every artist in Springfield. I, you know, like, what are you going to do? And they both decide, or I think Smithers points out that, uh, you know, Marge Simpson recently won a competition and could easily be bullied by Burns because her husband works at the plant. And Burns says, somebody up there likes me, Smithers. And Smithers responds, somebody down here likes you too, sir. Yeah. This is the first hint we get about Smithers. It is the first one I noticed. Yeah, it it is the first one I noticed. I or the the first one that's very apparent. I and I, I mean, it's it. it, I guess it's interesting. Like, there's a part of me that thinks, like, you know, especially back in the '90s, jokes about homosexuals were were very very low hanging fruit, and 
you know, because homosexuality wasn't very, you know, viewed as like mainstream or like it was still sort of viewed with taboo uh, to some extent. You know, I feel like it was sort of easy for The Simpsons to, to get away with this and like, you know, poking fun at the fact Smithers is homosexual. But I will give some credit, like even though they're jokes about Smithers, I don't feel like they're, you know, like bang, banging you over the head with how apparent they are. Like they can get pretty apparent as the series goes on. But like at least especially this first one, it's a little lighter. It's a little bit mild. And as far as that goes, you know, we we learn that it's not like Smithers is interesting because he does have love for Mr. Burns. Not necessarily like, you know, he's not like, you know, like trying to take advantage of Mr. Burns. Smithers has a weird relationship with Mr. Burns. It's oh, for almost sure. a domestic abuse scenario. Yeah, it kind of is. Because we'll see Burns later on in this episode even treat Smithers like complete crap. Mm-hmm. But Smithers still really loves him. He does. And he, he says that it's more like they're friends than coworkers. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, it's a, a a very interesting dynamic, and it's not a healthy dynamic by any means, but it is a very interesting one. I, uh, you know, and it's it's interesting that like, you know, unlike a lot of other sitcoms of the time, where it was like you know it, almost more viewed as an insult. It was just sort of like like oh I can't go out with her. Pause. Oh, why? Because you're gay? Insert laugh track. You know, like, like you know, like, jokes like that were much more common, I think, at the time uh, and becoming common into the mid-90s. Uh, but, like, in The Simpsons, it's just Smithers is homosexual. There's the jokes that we're in on, as that he says, but really it's not, like, you know, used as, like, an insult or an insult or anything like that. It's It's sort of more just that... It's making sort of light of it, but it is just Smithers is homosexual. Yeah, that's all it is. You know, so. I I love The Simpsons for that. I absolutely love that they went that way. Yeah, it it is. I mean, because, yeah, a lot of shows around that time, it was just sort of, you know, homosexuality was just sort of like, it was just the low-hanging fruit of jokes, you know, when you got into, like, the more risque sitcom of, like, the mid-90s. Okay, we're going to get into the mid-90s and that, so I'm going to need to bring this up. Uh Uh-huh. The low-hanging fruit was homosexuality yeah. and the mentally challenged. Yes, yes, that was that, another that was a one. Big thing in the nineties. Hard R's were flung around like nobody's business. Yeah, and you know, I mean, at the time, it wasn't like when I was a kid. I called plenty of people retards when yeah. I was in middle school. Like I, I didn't think twice about it. It was just you know, you're being dumb, so that's what you are. And, you know, and like when I first started getting older and, you know, I like in my case, I did an internship at, a, a you know, a, a place called, uh, well, I don't want to. Well, yeah, I guess I can name it. it was the Western Wayne Skill Center. It yep. was uh, they're not there anymore. So. They're not. Yeah, they're closed down now. But it, it was a school so I can use the name. I think it's not like I'm calling anyone out. Uh, but it was a school for those with, you know, handicaps and stuff. And, you know, it that was a big deal to not throw around the R word. Because it is hurtful and stuff. And, you know, it's not like, you know, these people don't know what you're doing when you say that word and stuff. It is a very, very shitty word, 
you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, like when I was younger, I just thought like, oh, why should I not have to say it? Like it's, if you're being retarded, you're going to get called a retard. And like, and it's like, how shitty was I for saying that and thinking that, you know? Yeah, so but, kudos on the Simpsons writers for never taking either of those low hanging fruit. Oh yeah. I don't think we've ever, we ever heard an R-bomb. No, I don't think so at all. I don't not think, and, and it, let's face it, if we're going to catch it, it's going to be in the early seasons. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't think they ever did. I uh, so yeah, good on them for that for sure. I uh, so Homer loses a pound, pretty excited. You know he's doing okay. I uh, and I love the fact that uh, uh, the donut guy at the nuclear plant oh, is this like is my favorite part of the episode. He, he's like he's like, where's Homer Simpson? And uh, for some reason, Lenny's voice is on Carl. It's another little error there, which happened in earlier seasons more often. And uh, he's like, Homer Simpson's on a diet. The donut guy's like, I just bought a boat. <laughs> I love that he freaks out and could buy a boat off of how many donuts Homer eats. It's amazing. <laughs> I I love donuts. I, I, I want to eat a boat's worth of donuts. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be amazing. I, maybe I'll stop for donuts on the way home. Anyway, uh, so Burns swings by for a visit. And I... Uh, I, uh, you know, when he sees the painting that she did of Ringo Starr, uh, he Burns says he vaguely remembers the Beatles from the Ed Sullivan show, and wanted, like was sort of like, what was he thinking? I, uh, and I, uh, Homer comes in, he's like, "Honey, I'm home," and Burns is like, "No, there's an original sentiment," and I, uh, Burns we find is going to be harassing the Simpson family all throughout the time of him staying there as he forces Marge to paint his portrait because Marge feels like she can at least find his inner beauty. And she tries. She tries real hard. She sure does. So the episode moves on and I, uh, Homer, uh, or no, I think it's Mr. Burns, uh, is uh, uh, being read comics uh, as Homer's wondering where they are in the kitchen. I, uh, you know, Burns is being read comics so that hopefully he'll smile so Marge can, you know, get this uh, portrait done. And uh, I like that Mr. Burns is like, ah, Ziggy, will you ever win? I. Uh, <laughs> Syndicated in 1971 by Tom Wilson, uh, the Ziggy comic stars the titular character uh, who deals with misfortunes with a lighthearted brevity. Uh, Tom Wilson II has been drawing them since 1987. Interesting enough, that is not the first comic we know where somebody's kid took over for him. We previously, what was the comic we talked about uh, 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 previous to this? Because in another episode we did, we found out that there was a comic artist whose son took over for him. Was it Marmaduke? Maybe Marmaduke? I I don't remember well, now. Brad Anderson's son, maybe? I don't Brad Anderson did Marmaduke, right? Maybe. I feel like. Maybe it was. I but yeah, I, unless we are talking about Ziggy twice. We could be talking about Ziggy twice. <laughs> We're talking about Ziggy twice. I don't think so, but maybe. Anyway. Maybe it's that horrible, but I loved it, uh Camelot comic. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, uh, what was it King Ar- uh, uh, King Arthur or whatever it was yeah. Camelot comics oh man oh, I hated I those. those I love those <laughs> I hated <laughs> those so bad <laughs> anyway I I you know Marge is is going about her business and you know uh, she walks in on Mister Burns who's naked I uh, and I uh, you know Burns is like do you mind it's Smithers puts a towel on him as Smithers is hanging out in the bathroom while Mr. Burns takes a shower. 
And Smithers asks if that's okay. And Bird says, Smithers, I see you like a doctor. Yeah, we we unfortunately are going to find that Burns will never reciprocate Smithers' feelings. And he sees Smithers, yeah, like a doctor. Like it's no big deal that he's around. That's, it, that's weird. It's also weird because Smithers sees Burns as a friend. Yeah. Who he's in love with, whereas Burns sees Smithers as like a loyal dog or a doctor or you know an, a, a very very professional associate and burns is a real piece of shit to smithers in the scenes like these scenes he's thrown coffee in smithers face for, at one point oh yeah it's rotten yeah it, throughout this episode we're seeing mr burns treat smithers and everyone around him like garbage and i uh, i so uh, also i love the fact that uh bart is like hey mom did he have those spots all over his body when she saw him naked and burns opens the door and he's like i heard that and he slams the door again i uh, yeah i uh, uh, uh smithers considers himself his best friend he squeezes his oj in the morning and tucks him in at night and then gets hot tea splashed in his face man i wish somebody would squeeze me fresh oj every morning i need a smithers <laughs> anyone out there want to be my smithers Someone down here likes you, Sean. <laughs> so, so I, I. Meanwhile, I, you know, er, and, and an important thing we forgot to mention was earlier in the episode, Marge said she, when she was had her feelings hurt by the teacher, she had sent the painting of Ringo Starr to him, but never got a response. And at th- this time, we see Ringo getting the portrait. He doesn't do much with it, but he does open it and l- get a look at it. He hangs it on his wall. Oh, I thought we see that a little later in the we episode. We see that later in the episode, but he he will do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so Ringo is going to hang the portrait on the wall. He loves it. And now, Sean, is that like, because he said he would go through every fan's, like, you know, like, uh, letter he sent him. So that is a real thing Ringo Starr was doing for a while. Really? Ringo Starr was responding to all of his fans' emails, and he was writing, like, actual signatures for them and autographing things. Mm-hmm. However, he recently stopped in 2017. Yeah. He put out a video asking fans to quit sending him mail because he started noticing so much of the stuff that he was autographing was ending up on eBay. Oh, that's crappy. So he realized it wasn't just fans who were sending him stuff. And it, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of a shame because he was legitimately sending responses to all his fans who had questions for him. Man, that's crappy. It takes a long time to do. I have a lot of respect for that. I can oh, yeah. tell you right now, if 20 fans from this show were to send letters to us, you wouldn't be getting responses, probably. I might say one or two words to one or two of you, but Ringo goes out of his way. I mean, think about that. Millions of letters come to him, and he yeah. responds to them and says letters back. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That is genuinely a good guy. Yeah, absolutely. And Ringo is actually the first of the Beatles who will guest star on The Simpsons. We'll have almost all of them. We have all two living Beatles because, of course, as we've talked about, you know, uh, Paul McCartney's actually dead and um, he's been replaced by a double. <laughs> all right, but we will eventually we'll have get, that double we'll on. We'll get Paul McCartney's double on here. <laughs> but all of the Beatles do make guest appearances except for, of course, John Lennon, who was tragically killed December 8th, 1990 by Mark David Chapman. Oh, so technically the Simpsons had started. Yeah, the, the Simpsons hadn't started yet because it was 1980. Oh, 1980. I thought yeah, you said 90. Years. I'm sorry. Uh, so 1980, he was murdered. Yeah, so Lennon... I was about to say, I thought it was a little bit longer ago than 1980. Lennon is the only one who doesn't make an appearance. Also, mm-hmm. just random 
Beatles death trivia for you with John Lennon here. By all means. So Mark David Chapman was out of his fucking mind right, when yeah. he did this. Um, the day beforehand, or two days beforehand, I don't remember which, he assaulted another famous singer oh, on right. the subway, James Taylor, who would later go on to be a Simpsons guest star. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, uh, celebrity guest stars. He assaulted him, and James Teller said that it was the rantings of a madman. He didn't understand what this man was screaming at him. He just assaulted him, screamed at him, and left. Weird. And then he went on to go murder John Lennon, like, right after that. Crazy. And he also had plans to murder David Bowie. Like, Mark David Chapman was freaking insane. But it's weird that he encountered another Simpsons guest star. Tying yeah. this all together. Seriously. Within the span of his insanity. Man. I. Man, such a tragic loss. I. So, I. You know, we have. Mr. Burns, he like yells at Lisa. I. Homer drops down to the 239 that you mentioned. Uh, you know, lost what? Uh, uh, what did he start at? Was it 11 pounds he lost altogether? He started at 260, so he lost uh, 21 pounds. Oh, 21 pounds. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, Homer's lost a lot of weight. It's tough to lose weight, and Homer has every reason to be excited. And He's using the original notches in his belt. That's a really, really nice feeling. I've had that happen before. Drop a little bit of weight to get back to like kind of where you should be, and it's it's nice. I actually had the opposite happen where I dropped so much weight that I no longer fit into the natural notches in the belt and had to make new notches to make it longer. <laughs> that was an awesome feeling. That was an awesome, awesome feeling. Hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, Mr. Burns says that Homer is the fattest thing he's ever seen, and he's been on safari. God damn, Burns. That is harsh. Smithers laughs. Smithers gets a kick out of it when when we once again see that Smithers is a little bit more of a villain in this time than he you know will eventually be, I, uh, and I, uh, I uh, Marge kicks Burns out. She's like, you've said enough. You've you know yelled at a little girl. You've you know hurt the feelings of a man like this man. You know you're a terrible person. Get out of my house. I. Uh, I don't need you in here to do this portrait any longer. And uh, Mr. Burns says that he, if he spent another day in the suburban nightmare, he'd need uh, have needed a half a white Valium. God, Burns is a dick. Which, um, yeah, just what a what a d bag. I uh, I also appreciate that when she catches Homer, uh, he has a, a a a thing of whip topping in his hand, like Cool Whip or whatever, the the a ready whip rather, and he's about to spray it in his mouth, and Marge has to fight it out of his hands. Okay, so this scene disturbed me a little bit because it's like he's as if it was like a gun or something, and she's trying to fight yes! with him. Yeah, and we already know Homer's suicidal, so that's yeah. really depressing. It's it, it's a little bit of a, a it's when, very morbid. Yeah, when you look at it in that regard, it absolutely is. But there is a certain amount of of hilarity to the fact that he's about to put this ready whip in his mouth and <laughs> essentially pull the trigger and ruin his diet. I uh, but I uh, yeah, what a piece of shit. I. Uh, Ringo, uh, meanwhile, is hanging his portrait on the wall. He sends the letter, and Marge has renewed confidence. And it even says when Homer's like, you can totally do it. She says, okay, Homer, if you think I can. And it's because Ringo Starr appreciates her, her you know, painting. Uh, and uh, Marge even uh, paints the uh, uh, paints to uh, Beatles' song. Uh, what one was it? Do you remember? 
I don't remember. Actually. I don't remember. Yeah. So so Beatles song is playing. Marge is going to is is you know uh, doing this, and uh, it cuts to the scene of the art museum where we see Barney and Apu. And Miss Hoover's there. It's a weird combination of people that are there. Yeah, there really is. I uh, yeah, and I think Mo was there as well. Yeah, because Miss Hoover's going to deliver my favorite line that she ever oh, delivers because right. it's so great. I uh, and so they unveil the painting, and it's Burns naked with no clothes on. <laughs> Smithers faints. Lombardo says. After he, all the positivity, he says, I don't care for this at all. Uh, and uh, Marge goes up and says that behind Mr. Burns's fearsome head with its cruel lips, spiteful tongue, and evil brain, there is a frail little body, perhaps not long for this world. And it's as vulnerable and beautiful as any of God's creatures. Marge can spin anything. Seriously. <laughs> Dr. Hibbert and Ms. Uh, uh, and Ms. Hoover are talking. And what is the line she says? So, Ms. Hoover says a line. And I, I've got a little story for this because Miss mm-hmm. Hoover says, He's old, but he'll die. Therefore, she likes it. So, uh-huh. when we used to work at a grocery store, which we've brought up numerous times on this uh-huh. podcast, we had a girl who worked with us. Or isn't it he's bad? Oh, yeah. He's, uh, but he'll he's die. Bad, yeah. bad, but he'll die. And we had this girl who worked with us, and she couldn't handle customers yelling at her. She got really upset by it. Mm-hmm. And she was put into a position where she was in charge of a bunch of people, and she had to deal with that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So she asked me and Craig how we dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And Craig's general response was, you know, you just don't care. You just brush it off, and you just deal with it. That's yeah. life. And I told her, okay, listen, this is how you got to look at it. A lot of these customers are old. They're going to die before you. Just think that. And you'll be in a good mood. Think, yeah, this guy may be a dick to me, but he's going to die someday. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh, So man. that line has got me through life dealing with people who have argued with me. Because I'm like, you'll die someday. It's okay. So everything's going to be A-OK when you die. So I, you know, the the all the uh, the people in this place, you know, are, are kind of get behind the painting. And Burns says, you know, thanks for not making fun of my genitalia. And Marge responds, oh, I thought I did. And the episode ends. Kind of a crude joke to end on. Like, and not an especially funny one. No, but Burns seems to appreciate it. Everyone likes it. It's a happy ending. I guess so, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I... I mean, Burns didn't learn a lesson. He's still a piece of shit. Yes, he is. But Marge did find her confidence... And she'll go on to be a painter for the rest of the series. Uh, does she ever paint again? Maybe in fan fiction. Maybe. I feel like they could have played around with that maybe a little bit, like like you know, because there's occasionally scenes where like Marge is doing something, you know, when she gets interrupted by the kids or Homer or whatever. Like I feel like they could have totally had her painting. You know where they could have done this actually? Hmm. When she goes to Rancho Relaxo, oh, and she yeah. can do anything she wants to relax. They could have just given a quick shot of her painting. That would have actually been nice and easy to do and wouldn't require a lot of context because it's just her painting like a skyline or something. Yeah. It, a it, sunset. It, it's an in-joke for those who know that Marge likes to paint. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, she's painting something relaxing. Okay, I get it. It's another relaxing scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Sean, what do you consider the lasting impact of this episode? So, I have a weird one about okay. this one. Uh-huh. 
is this the first time we have a guest star who plays themselves? Oh. Um. Because I couldn't think of one beforehand, and there might have been, but I don't think there is a guest star who played themselves. I think you might be right. I, As far as that goes, I, I, we've had quite a lot of guest stars, but we've not yet had a... I, a celebrity being a celebrity. They, they've they been characters designed to be the celebrity. And like, you know, it's a little hokey to have just a celebrity on a show for, you know, no other reason than a celebrity. But in this case, the story made it work. It wasn't just, oh, hello, Tony Hawk, the greatest skateboarder ever. Hey, Alec Baldwin, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, you know, like there, there's so many episodes in later seasons that do a really crummy job of integrating, uh, you know, like, pop icons and stuff and in this case you know i mean aside from the fact that the beatles are legendary it's not just like the flavor of the week you oh, know yeah. it's definitely the beatles yeah it's not you know, you know it, it absolutely is it's not hoobastank's lead singer came up for a one <laughs> interview <laughs> deep cut get the blues travelers in here guys come on we're gonna do an episode very deep cut <laughs> so uh yeah i, I think this might be i am actually uh, uh as we speak i'm just kind of reviewing over the uh uh the previous seasons uh previous season and the uh the rest of season two and i don't think no it is the second very offhand we get tony bennett you're right and don't be wrong don't be wrong it's just it's not he's not a character in it it's just hey tony Tony bennett Bennett. and he's like hey good to see you you are right and that's it so so this is number two uh but i mean this is the first one where uh, a celebrity is worked into the story part of the plot yeah because he is ringo has a huge part of the plot he's the reason why marge was focusing on painting so much and was so into it and got her confidence back when you know she could not find the good in mr burns so did I totally sway what your lasting impact was on this episode? Honestly, I think I am kind of. De- I, I think that yours makes a lot more sense because in my head, the lasting impact is that this is uh, sort of the 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 episode where we see the true dynamic of Burns and Smithers. You know, beforehand we saw that Smithers was the lackey and toady of Burns for sure, but this is where it gets way more domestic. It does, but we've also kind of had that when Burns was running for governor. We had some scenes. That's true, but I don't feel it was as domestic as this. No, it wasn't as domestic as this. I mean, we see Smithers in that episode is definitely the the right-hand man and toady of Burns. Hell, Burns drives himself home when he's governor. Yeah, you know, he in that episode, he Burns, Smithers left for the day. Whereas now we're starting to see, oh, Smithers' whole life revolves around Burns. Yeah, so this is a very important episode. Oh, sure. It absolutely is. I And there's a ton of uh, 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 solid lines. Now, Sean, uh, as a, a sort of a, a new segment that we're, we're starting to kind of integrate into the show, uh, to close out the episode, what do you think was your favorite line off the top of your head here? Oh, he's bad, but he'll die. <laughs> he's bad, but he'll die. <laughs> Such a good one. I, uh, I, I'm trying to think of of my favorite line from the. Uh, I, I think my favorite line from the episode is is probably the old lady. God bless that man. <laughs> I love it. I. But yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure to check out our Patreon page uh, over at uh, Patreon.com/slash GameZilla Media. Uh, 
by the time this episode airs, uh, you'll have uh, another episode uh, going up for Smart Wine, our uh, bonus show. If you get $5 a month, you get access to, uh, we have a bi-monthly uh, show. Each one's around a you know, half hour-ish. And uh, as far as that goes, we have a very special episode for Patreon coming up, which uh, is also going to be available for uh, everybody. Uh, so if you'd kind of like to see what kind of content you get for you know uh, Smart Wine, uh, there is an episode where... Um, Sean here uh, made me suffer immeasurably. It might be the funniest thing we've ever recorded. It honestly might be the funniest thing we've recorded. And uh, I I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the fact that this exists uh, or that it happened, but uh, I'm just going to tease you guys with that. So take a look at patreon.com slash gamezillamedia. Take a look at our uh, Patreon page and search out our Smartline episodes. I uh, you're going to find one that is available for everybody, even if you're not a, a member. And uh, just, it's, a, it's a little taste of what you'll get. Yeah, it's a bit of a taste. Uh, we, we cover certain topics. We cover, uh, we break down characters and stuff. Uh, make sure to uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, but otherwise, uh, definitely appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of Noiseland Arcade. Thank you.